Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Mom and Dad! It's Mom and Dad on this week's spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Oh, it's going to be so hard saying Mom and Dad. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm just going to say Mom and Dad. Ma <laughs> and Pa. That's what, if Abby had joined us, she would call it Ma, and she calls it Ma, is it Man? No, it's Man, Da. It's a kind of Irishy, <laughs> even though she's not Irish. But um, yeah, Ma, me and Daddy, <laughs> that's what I go with. Uh, Oi, and shut up, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> anyway, yes, hello. Uh, this is Spotify Film Conversation, hooray. And uh, I am the mummy of the podcast. <laughs> and our children are hiding from us. Uh, and they are JB and Abby. They are not here. One of them is off killing his own children, and the other one is uh, has already been murdered by her mum. So that just left me and Anthony, the only sensible ones. Uh, what am I saying? I'm sort of mixing my metaphors a bit because I'm. I sort of said I'm the mum of the podcast, and then I'm excusing our missing partners by um, bringing up another type of metaphor. Anyway, that's Anthony, the daddy of the podcast, right? You, the yeah. dad. I am the daddy, yes. And when a mummy and a daddy love each other very much, one of them gets impregnated with a podcast. (laughs) And then nine months later, they wish they'd never bothered. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but it's just me and you, Anthony. Classic. It is. Classic duo. In a while. It happens now and again, not very often. When we're abandoned. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to, you know, we're going to, Put our parenting skills. Uh, we're not parenting. I'm going to drop this metaphor. We're two lads, two men, two dads. Not even dads. That's what we don't have, don't have children. <laughs> yes. Don't plan on having any. Very much non-parents here. <laughs> the perfect. Uh, we we have parents though, so we can relate to the, the that element of the film. We understand the very concept of you know humans beget humans, and sometimes they don't get on. Uh, anyway. This week, you picked the film, Anthony, and you picked Mom, and you picked Dad, and combined them. So, can you give the details? Because I think there are um, other films. Are there other films? Oh, there are, yes. Like similar titles or whatnot. There is one. There's there's like a British horror film called Mum and Dad from the 2000s as well. Just sounds nicer, Mum and Dad, doesn't it? Mum and Dad. Oh. I agree. Even though it's a horror film, so... Anyway, can you clarify? I will. Oh, yes. Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. Uh, <laughs> uh was released in 2017. It's a, a, a black comedy horror film uh, about uh, a world where all parents are suddenly overcome with the desire to kill their children. And uh, we follow two kids as they try and survive their mum and dad trying to slaughter them over the course of one night, I suppose. It was directed and written by Brian Taylor, uh, and it stars Nicolas Cage, Selma Blair, Anne Winters, Zachary Arthur, Robert T. Cunningham, and a small little bit from Lance Henriksen. Hmm. I will pick you up. It's over the course of the day, right? I don't think it's set at night. Uh, I suppose, but like they only have to them off from like when they get back from school 
yeah, basically the days are right off once. Although a school finishes early, uh, whatever. <laughs> let's, not, let's not get into a mom and dad style pedantic fight so soon. It'll uh, happen naturally. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm very gracing, so yeah, surprised. <laughs> surprised there's not more of them. Uh, anyway, so this one, this film, have you seen it before? Yes, I saw it pretty much when it came out because, well, I saw I saw the trailer and it had Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage trying to murder children. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that is the film for me. And then yeah. uh, I later discovered that it was uh, directed by Brian Taylor, uh, who is also one of the directors of the Crank films, oh, which yeah. I love. <laughs> Um, wholeheartedly. Uh, he directed those with um, well, they went they went under Taylor and Neville Dean. I can't remember the other guy's first name. But then once once I knew that, it's like, oh my god, this is this is going to be the perfect storm of a film. We got like Nicolas Cage being crazy. It's directed by one of the guys who does the craziest action films. Yeah, like, how, mean... how could this not be brilliant? Yeah, you had me at Nick Cage, uh, and you had my money at uh, the name of the director. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And yeah, so yeah, I have seen this before. Um, I will. Well, there's my impressions, I guess, because well, I can't sum it up any better than that. But uh, yeah, so I thought this film was like I'm not going to say it's a perfect film by any means, but there are certainly bits that it does wonderfully and some not so wonderfully, but I thought it was still a good one for discussion. Sure. Hmm. What about you? Me? Uh, it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't like, I mean, I, I've watched a shit ton of Nicolas Cage or Nick Cage movies, however you want to go with him. Uh, but it, I don't know, it didn't come up, I guess, because it was fairly recent. I don't know. When did Drive Angry come out? That was a bit earlier than this, right? I think so. A couple there's, of years before this. There's a few more recent Nick Cage ones which aren't like definite hits. Mm. Um, so I was like, eh, you know, not every not every single one gets a I'm interested from me. But um, yeah, no, I just I think when I saw the trailer upon you like saying, do you want to you know do this? Uh, I was like, oh, isn't this like the film Cooties or something? Like, isn't there like a zombie kids film where like is that right? Cooties is about like a zombieified children are. I don't know, yes, that's like it felt like a similar premise, like schoolyard anarchy, to do with like a silly premise that you know could be quite fun if taken to the extremes. So I, I don't know. There seems to be. I feel like there's a, a subgenre of don't doesn't the schoolyard get crazy um, sometimes? I'm trying to think. There must be another one. There's at least another film that's like. Children violence. Oh, like Battle Royale is like a classic, but that's um not quite the same. Like, it's not it's not there's not a sci-fi yeah. element. Well, I suppose the sci-fi is it's in the future where um we're we're enlisting children into a, a brutal violent vid uh, like um game show, <laughs> whatever. Uh but yeah, no, I don't know. But it is there's definitely definitely a mini genre. Of this sort of thing, so I know it felt like it's going to be. I kind of sussed it out a little bit from. I mean, there's nothing not to get. 
you get clearly from the trailer, it's like, oh, what if your parents try to kill you? Let's, let's watch a film about parents trying to kill their children in a really aggressive manner. Not in like a, you know, I guess it could be like a psychological manipulation of kind of maybe even Rosemary's Baby style where they're trying to convince you they're okay, but actually they're Satanists. You could go that route with this, couldn't you? Where parents are secretly trying to kill you. But this is, they're just trying to kill you <laughs> just straight straight away. <laughs> but it's no question about it. Um, although the film does try and spend, there's a bit of like, you know, drawing out the tension, bringing up the subject matter of what, of uh, child murder <laughs> before they get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> Yes, it is very, very much two halves. Where the first half is set up, and then the second half is just trying to kill some kids in the house. Yeah, I can't imagine there's too many people who sit down and watch this film and are like, "Hmm, what what's going to happen?" Like, you know, what you're sitting there waiting, going, "Oh yeah, what's going to happen? Why was it going to?" Yeah, that is a slight disappointment with this film. Is if you're coming into it, then. You generally kind of know the premise, which slightly underdoes some of the what I think was well done build up at the beginning to what is happening. Yeah, but you kind of could be looking at your watch going, uh, "Stop fucking around and taking them to school and acting normal. We don't need to get to know you." <laughs> but yeah, you, you like... couldn't start Home Alone with like paint cans on the stairs, could you? Do you know what I mean? You can't no. just jump straight to what the what you're planning. You have to build it up. Like every, I mean, that's just a that's a trope of horror films, right? You you have to set the happy campers in motion on their trip before the hack and slash can begin. You know, it is true. I'm sure it's not much of a problem. So, I guess I was up for cartoon violence, and I thought, you know, Nick Cage being let off the the chain to be nutty is always a bit of fun. Uh, but I, I, the crank thing, I, I didn't think about it when I came to watch it. I wasn't like, oh, this is by the maker, one of the makers of Crank. But mm. I do really like the Crank films. I think they get the combination of thrills and comedy right, and they really impress you with how st- stupidly violent it can get, or how high octane the yeah, take, just can taking get. the action film to its extreme. Yeah, and uh, you know they. They're they're done well, I think. I think uh, a balance is struck between the action and the comedy. And um, other than that, though, I I was just like, okay, sure, I get it. Like, (laughs) gimme, gimme, gimme. Sure, I'll give it a try. Um, Part of the reason we don't have Abby on on this recording is uh, she was up for watching it and then watched it till about 40 minutes in, I think it was. And then was like, nope, <laughs> just too, <laughs> just didn't get on. But I think uh, it was the we were discussing pre podcast what what Abby uh, stopped on, and it was basically when a m- pr- newly birthed child is trying to be murdered by the mother, and then people in the hospital are fighting the child away from the angry mother. She so was like, ah, this is hateful and awful, and I don't like it. <laughs> and Abby, which is just, a shame because kind of like. That scene is kind of like the pinnacle of the the dark comedy element. I, I felt like they pushed out on that. I felt like we got to kill the baby, right? Like the the fact that the baby is freed from the mother's like death grip. I was like, I mean, 
does the dad not get up off the floor? I, did you know, like so? I mean, we jumped in the middle here just because that's where Abby ended. But like, we have a scene where like the auntie of the mum in the mom from the tit- the titular mom, her, the auntie is the sister of oh, fucking hell. <laughs> well, people know what an auntie is, and I can't fail to explain it. Right. So the auntie uh, of the family who this movie's about is having a baby, and she goes into labour, and then. The premise being that the parents, for some reason, turn on their children and try and kill them. When that happens, I was like, "So why isn't the dad who's recording all this at the uh, the birth not I, joining I, in? Is it because he might not be the real dad?" They do say that he's not the actual dad. Well, that's the part. Of they they so she, so she's like pregnant with someone else, and she's just like a cuck husband or. No, I, they they did briefly explain it. I think she got pregnant and then left that guy, and then is now with this guy. What a what a hero! He 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 was gonna have. I mean, stepped into the breach, and then it got all kinds of fucked up. So it's all irrelevant. <laughs> bit bit awkward. It would have been much more brutal if she'd have given birth and the dad just cut her to the just grabbed a scalpel and killed it. Be like the fuck. I don't know. Or they just tore the child apart like Wolverines or something. I mean. That would be awful, obviously. But I, 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 did you feel like the mum not getting to kill a baby? I mean, it's obviously that would be insane to see that in a film. It, well, yeah, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? But isn't this the point of the film? I mean, we don't get a lot of child murder for a film about adults killing their children. Well, they they play it mostly off screen. Yeah, which but, I mean, I understand. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, uh, what's the name of the guy who made Lord of the Rings? Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, yeah. If Peter Jackson had been making one of his gruesome uh, comedy horror movies like he did back in the day, I feel like he would have fucking kicked this into touch, this premise, you know? He would have really gone for, like, awful. I mean, he had a monster baby in his film, and didn't that end up in a blender or something? You know, like, I feel like Peter Jackson would have dared to at least kill a few puppets, at least, you know? (laughs) Maybe, not... but I feel like you got to save the baby. The, the, the scene had already achieved what it was sure. going for, you know. <laughs> it yeah, didn't really I, need to. I call off on my wanting to really lay a ball of child. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it already got to its most exploit exploitative. Yeah, definitely exploitative is the right word. Yeah, <laughs> at that, that point. Stage. Yeah, but anyway, Abby said like no more, and therefore couldn't you know couldn't review the film without seeing it. I just, I don't think it was just like oh this is like, I think she, her main beef was this is just hateful and all, and I kind of get I kind of get it. It is, um, it like the characters. She said I think she was saying like the characters are all assholes anyway. They start off kind of annoying, and um. Then when they become, when they change to being like psychopaths or like whatever you want to call them, whenever they whenever they go crazy and it becomes like a murder fest, then it's like oh this is just unpleasant now. Um, it's true that is this is the turning point of the film though. This is kind of like the end of the first half, uh, and then the second half is much more of a just kind of like conventional slasher film, I suppose. Yeah, with like elements of. Uh, Slapstick and irony hmm. and things. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
going rewinding back to the start then uh it opens with a kind of 70s style opening credits with like a dusty springfield song opening up which i feel like was a, a bit of a statement what, what would the statement be saying in your mind just like well especially maybe not so much the second half of the film but the first half feels more like a traditional not a traditional but like a, a kind of an old style horror where it's more about the suspense and the build up than it is the actual kind of like gore you know yeah we have to have some normal life for it to be interrupted by uh brutality but it's it's definitely a statement saying you know it's there's going to be some kind of like 70s influence here. I'm not going to say it's as strong as, say, like a Tarantino film or something like that, but it's definitely there. Also, it probably ties in, right, with the um, the theme of the parents uh, feeling like their heyday is behind them. Like, do we get, we get like a flashback of we don't realise at the time, but it's young Nick Cage in like a, I don't know if it's a Corvette or something weird, some sports car that's been done up, and uh, oh wait, it's the one from his. He owns it now, right? Like a fucking yes. It's what is it? Like I'm not good with cars. Do you have any idea what I a car is? You're asking the wrong person. Uh, I don't know. It's like a you know one of those like muscle cary type things or sports cars, and he's doing donuts with a topless uh, woman or teenager or whatever the fuck it is in his lap just. Uh, I don't know if they're like having sex and doing donuts or whatever, but it's just like a comically time of my life type, you know, nostalgia flashback. You don't realize that it's his life, I don't think, initially, but it becomes apparent that, you know, he used to have a, used to be a bit wild and enjoy his life and whatever. Um, and I, was, go on. About that scene specifically, like I, I was watching it this time and I'm like, I've, I had this feeling like, I've seen this before somewhere, but I, I just kind of put it down to, well, I've seen the film before, so I'm probably just remembering it from that, so right. that's, that's okay. But then I looked on the trivia on IMDb later on, and apparently they reused, the director reused this in his TV series Happy, which he also directed, oh, right. and he used that flashback as a flashback for the main character in that as well. Oh, just this this impossibly awesome teenage past where you're getting slapped in the face by tits and also <laughs> spinning yes. around in a sports car. I mean, cheap, but uh, I mean, I get effective. To, the point. to yeah. the point. Sure, and like so, that's the, the there's an element of the dialogue from both the mum and the dad uh, that we're not that old. We still, we can still go. I mean, there's like, we fucking used to be cool and young. And so I guess referencing the seventies, at least for Nick Cage would make sense. I mean, I know Blaine, she's probably a bit younger than that. I don't know, but they're implying that they're averagely middle-aged teenage kid having parents. I don't know. What's the, what age are parents these days anyway? Really? It varies quite a lot, I think. Like, mm. you know, it used to be, you know, everyone would get married at twenty-one and then have children by the time they're thirty. But now, fuck knows where on the the life life's journey you actually get around to it or do it. But it's definitely like a oh, the past when we were cool and not old and shit and boring and had uh, 
done sensible things to make money and keep a roof over our heads and the kids fed and yada yada. So they, there's a definite whinging on about <laughs> that <laughs> from both the parents, right? Yeah, and it seems to be that's like what well, that's the real theme of the film is it's all kind of a metaphor for how parents kind of feel about their children sometimes. I think it's kind of summed up like right in the last line of the film. Well, they cut off the line just to annoy people like me who need closure. <laughs> so what do you think Nicolas Cage, when he's uh, captured and tied up and they're trying to explain why they're doing it, what does he, is he trying to say? Well, what does he say? He just says something like, you know, kids, we, we love you, but like sometimes, sometimes we just and then, know, yeah, want to murder what, you. Is, is yeah, the... Literally, yeah. So... Uh... Yeah, like, and there is uh, there's a bit where they're in a classroom at the beginning, and they bring up um, talking about uh, designed obsolescence, which right. gave me flashbacks to uh, the Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> <laughs> right, we didn't. Don't think we delved deeply into that theme when we talked about it previously. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of you know bringing up that theme as well of you know the idea that. The kids are better versions of them, oh, kind yeah. of thing, and stuff like that. Your me- this in the natural life cycle is you become old and redundant, and the new generation takes your place in society or something. Hmm. Uh, I, also, a suggestion when the news is trying to get to grips with the weird phenomenon, they, there's a uh, there's a clip of a talking head or an expert on or something saying, "Well, in the animal kingdom, sometimes." Uh, animals kill their infants and it sort of ties into a kind of I don't know, evolutionary element. It's sort of suggesting it's not all that out of nowhere. It's not out of the blue, this this notion of parents uh wanting to kill their offsprings. Yeah. But, and uh, and uh, but uh, the, the, but they never outright state what's happening. It's all very it doesn't really matter why it's happening, you know. And well, it, uh, I'm happy they don't try to explain it too much. Well, yeah, we'll get we'll get into that then. I was going to say metaphorically, um, you know, a, a case could be made. It it works as a metaphor, but it it mostly just plays it straight. Where, what if par- parents try to kill their children? Like that's all you get. You don't. They don't. We're not really examining society like something like they live, which deals with uh, consumerism and themes of. Uh, Manipulation and capitalism, right? It's it feel that movie, though it's a, you know, that one's like a sci-fi action movie. That feels like it's actually dealing in deep themes. And this one, I feel like there's not. You, know, you could make a case that, oh yeah, the boomer generation are trying to kill the Gen Z, Gen Z are trying to kill like millennials and and so on. Like there's de- there's definitely like our parents and our grandparents are making decisions at least politically. Like we that ruin the next generation's opportunities. Like millennials are famously suffering from the effects of boomers and their elders just not caring enough about the environment, ruining the housing market, being selfishly hoarding everything to themselves and living longer. And then the natural obsolescence, if you will, isn't happening because you know younger people don't have as many prospects because the elderly are holding on to you know all of the power structure and. Uh, the economy is is in their hands you know like do you know what i mean like that could be played into this which is literally saying our elders are killing us they love us but they're also killing us 
if only we could get past it and see. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely opportunities. Yeah, no. you know, it's there, but I don't think the film explores it deeply. Like, it could. Yeah, not not for long, anyway. It's a big ask to do like do an action movie, but also make me think about like society and our elders, and uh, give me a message of hope and unity between the generations, or um, you know, pasty shit in a way that's satisfyingly true to life. I think it, it. I think in a way, because it ends where it does, like we're saying about Nicolas Cage being cut off, it doesn't have the biggest conclusion to the piece, does it? No, no, not at all. But again, I think that's kind of a good thing. It lets you read your own kind of message into it. Mm. Plus, it, it it makes sense. It was kind of done by then. It didn't need to hang on and try and get preachy at the end. Well, I don't think preachy, but I think. Um... I would have liked it to go on a bigger bang or um, we'll come back to it because it's worth talking about some of the other in betweeny stuff before really. Mm. I, I don't I don't fully let it off uh, the hook with the ending. I, I do have negative opinions on that, but I think it's worth talking about the rest of the film first before getting there though. So uh, what we're going to talk about was the fact that you like that it doesn't explain anything as to why. Because obviously I'm a big fan of explaining why or giving us <laughs> a hint as to the reason, right? Normally. Well, yes, but the, but it does. But that's it. It's like it's only a hint, you know? Yeah. That's all, that's all we really need. And usually the hints are more thematic than actual, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what we get is as an expl- what we get in the form of an explanation is one day for- there's no planets aligning, there's no they don't, they, they don't as far as I, I didn't pick up on it anyway. There's nothing to visually clue us in a change in the world. The, the poles aren't reversed. Uh, it isn't the equinox. You know what I mean? It's just some static starts happening on the radio and the TV, and that makes people change psychologically so that they want to murder their children as soon as possible. It's not just murder them, but like it, like an itch needs to be scratched. They need to be dead, and then you can carry on with your life. And you just once you've killed them, it's not like you go, oh, God, I didn't mean to. It just becomes like, that's fine. I'm still who I am. I've murdered my child. Their corpse is there. I'm just going to act normal now. That's kind of, you know, the weird thing is that they don't, they don't snap out of it. They just no. It's normal to them now. So, but that's all we get. It's a bit of static. Not even aliens. There's no, you know, it's not like an evil radio wave from uh, a foreign government. It's just in suburbia. That's what we mainly concentrate on. Fuck. People are suddenly killing their children. Like, they, is the first one a woman leaves her car with a child in it on the railway track, right? And it like is on the news that a woman just abandoned her car for no reason. Yeah, that's how it kind of starts. You kind of like hear little bits of the radio and the TV telling you about things that happened. Yeah, because we're in. Yeah, but yeah, that, that was yeah, that was that that was when the family are having uh, breakfast, isn't it? On the TV, yeah. when that happens, because it, it's the normal like two point four kids uh, lifestyle in suburbia. Like the parents are setting up their day. Like the kids going to work. I think the mum's going to yoga or something. Yes, and the kids are having their breakfast. It's the usual like toys around the house, uh, arguing about breakfast and whether the girl can have like whether she should see her boyfriend and stuff like that. And there's like a Chinese maid uh, and her daughter in the house preparing things. Um, 
there's a little bit of like you know comedy where like Nick Cage and his son are like making fun of the news story by reenacting a car crash and like pouring ketchup about to foreshadow what will come but also you know making light of other people's tragedy and then... oh of course it was a train in the news that's why he was making train noises yeah I was just like he's got a his rocker. He's just he's got a car, but he's making train noises for some reason. Yeah, but no, ca- yeah, yeah they right. parked the car on the train line and they it, were reacting the train takes that, care. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, it's really good because that's the news, but no one's no one cares because they're busy in their own internal lives. And uh, I think the pot, like they're talking about like Vietnam, like the grandfather being like in Vietnam or something, and Korea, then the mum, you are. I think it was Korea. Oh, Korea, right. Oh, I, oh in the fifties. Surely, Nam would. I, I'm, I'm, I. You could be right. I'm sorry. Like, oh, well, Vietnam vets are old now. Like that's the thing. We have to adjust everything. A few years, depending on where we are in, in our in our lives. Um, but I like that the mum apologised to the Chinese maid, and then the the maid's like, uh, the housekeeper or maid or whatever's like, oh, fucking, I'm Chinese. Like, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> you, your grandfather wasn't murdering Chinese people in whichever fucking war it was. Um, but uh, that's the thing is people are going about their day, but like Nick Cage, for example, thinks it's something's a bit weird. Like he steps out of the house. They haven't gone crazy yet. And it's he's just looking in the street and things are a bit suspiciously quiet. So just just like a different, it's not like all of a sudden every parent changes at the same time. They obviously have to come in contact with this weird static noise mm. or get the signal from something and it, it happens gradually and then it gets it builds across the day to where parents are amassing like zombies at the school gates to get to their children to off them right yes but our protagonists mom and dad they take a little longer than a lot of the other parents because we we're going to hold that off a little bit and show us what other what other families are having happen to them right hmm where the fun begins, really. And I think this is my... Like, the second half should be my favourite part because it's Nick Page going crazy, um, shouting random things, trying to yeah. kill people. Like, the second half should be my favourite part of this film. But I think that it's the first half, the kind of... The slow build-up, the kind of like mystery of what's going on. It kind of reminded me of um, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that kind of happens the same. You like it just kind of gradually in the background, things start happening, and you know, not really given any explanation, but like things, you know, change, you know, fairly slowly to a point where it's like, what's going on? And in Night of the Living Dead, I think is it that they have that ironic scene of. Uh, in the graveyard where the guy's like, I'm coming to get you, Barbara. Ooh. Mm. I was like, oh, you're pretending to be a zombie in a film where you will be zombies. This is fucking hell. Be on the nose. <laughs> and then with this one, it's like, oh, there's a car crash. <laughs> it's like, it's going to have its cake and eat it a little bit with foreshadowing. Oh, there, there is kind of a bit where uh, Nicolas Cage is playing with his son and it kind of looks like he's coming after him, but really he's just like tickling him or Yeah, I think that that's all fine and good. You need that because everyone knows where we're heading. Because otherwise it would just be like, Why are you boring me? With this normal life shit. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's it's necessary, uh, and I and I think they they do well to convey what they want to in the in the first bit. I think um, what I like is not knowing when the waves are going to break because hmm. I think we see a lot of their life in like in school, like the teenage, the girl is a teenager, the boy is like, I don't know we see like fucking nine or ten or something. I don't know. Younger, yeah. Younger, you reckon? Oh, fair. Enough. Oh, yeah. There's like some real little boy toys around the house. Um, I'm not sure. I think they just, you know, whatever craps around will be out and about. But um, so like, uh, they play it out where like the atmosphere is off, but we're mm. going to carry on with school lessons. Like they have the gray head, uh, like the long, long, ponytail gray head teacher dealing with his students. It's very, very normal shit. Like he, the best friend of the main girls, listening to like uh, aggressive. British rap music <laughs> and he like confiscates the phone, listens to it, and he gets like some expletives in his ear. And then uh I like the bit where he like he he I think he texts the other her he texts the other girl and is like, oh, bring your phone to the front of the class, please. Yes. You're fucking getting that confiscated. So like the teachers this really like, oh, this slice of normality before everything goes crazy of just the general tension of school life and you know the humdrum nature of everything is good, and then it's like, just well, the the, te- the teacher gets like a call, and it's like okay, it's weird, like we don't know what he hears, and the, there's a slow build of fucking like like almost like when a terrorism attack has happened and the news comes on, and oh, but, like the day slowly mm. gets ruined and consumed by it. It's just one of those news events where well, something weird happening. Okay, class is over, dismissed. There's like a test. The boyfriend is in a test, and that that comes to an. He's ending that, and it's like there's just people slowly coming around to this thing, and then I guess it's when the because so many parents are there, and the police are like arresting a woman, right, dragging some woman off, and then people are like, isn't that these mom? And is this the, this work for you? This this like is this what you mean? Do you like this element of uh, uh, foreplay? I guess. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, um, there are moments like uh, when when the the kid is doing his test and he's leaving, and the there's just lots of people outside staring in angrily. Um, but you know, nothing's quite happening. Although they kind of like they manage to get in in the background when he opens the door and leaves, which was nice. But yeah, like like that, like it's like. It's the the slow, uneasy build up of of stuff that's happening. And it's the same, like you know, the music and the kind of editing are also playing into it. You know, something's off and, from and, the beginning, like you know. And unlike a zombie apocalypse, one of the neat notions in this is it's not like the adults are now scary. The parents are only after their children. They don't. They'll hit. They'll be violent to people who get in their way. I guess it's like a really. Like, what do you think it's like? Like a, a heroin addiction where you just want the stuff. It's like whatever they feel. I must murder my children. It must be like beyond drug addiction. The feeling they have, like you know, is it is it an itch you can't scratch or what? Like, oh, well, you could play into it like that. I mean, they t- try to describe it as just. An instinct has been changed. A compulsion, so the, like the instinct to protect your child at all cost, has just switched. Been switched to you must kill them at all costs. So it it would feel just the natural thing to do. Uh, yeah, murder of the fittest, basically. 
Okay, well, but the, that means, though, you don't necessarily... Like, there's the nice bit of tension where there's, like, a guy in the street where the kids are fleeing to where he's got a bloodied baseball bat, and they're like, oh, fuck, are we in trouble? And it's like, no, he's getting his post because presumably his child has had their head stoved in already. So he's just, you know, practicing his baseball swing and uh, it's fine now. That problem solved as far as that guy's concerned. So it's not like all the parents will tear everyone to shreds. They just are after their specific uh, prey. <laughs> You know, yes, and, and uh, some of the teachers are like are uninfected. I assume because you know they don't have any children themselves, so they ha- have attempts to protect the children. I mean, it's a good good point. Is there's a shit ton of people who don't have children or aren't you know have outlived their parents already? They're gonna inherit the world. They're gonna they inherit a lot of traumatized children and or parents. And only really single or non uh, child having people are going to be like, I mean, how would me and you be? We'd be fine, right? Our parents are old enough. I mean, you live with your parents. So you're, you have to, if they catch you off guard, right? <laughs> big, you know, Big Trude comes out of the bathroom with a bit of sharpened uh, shower curtain, <laughs> gets you on the slide. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you could take your parents, you know? Do you think you'd I probably survive? could. I probably could run away effectively. Send your sister or your brother out as bait. Get them round. <laughs> Hop out the window while they come round. But then they have to. Oh, they have to chill their own children. Jeez, they're busy. You're dead. <laughs> if if you get the news before your parents are out, you're all right. I think. And also, you know, they're old. I think you could take them. No, no offense. But uh, I'm fine. <laughs> we, our parents, I mean, Abby's parents are a little more active than my parents, but um. My parents, I could just, if I heard about it, I could just, like, take away all their, like, walkers and mobility scooters <laughs> and the car. They just, you're fucked. <laughs> like, they're absolutely fine. It'd be awful for my nephew and niece. They'd have to fight off my sister. I'd probably help them kill her, to be honest. <laughs> but I think I'm good. I think I'm going to survive this particular phenomenon. This is going to be a fucked up world to inherit. But, uh, you know, I think we're I think we're cool generally. I'm, it's going to be sad for Jamie. He'd have to he'd easily murder his children, right? Good job. <laughs> good job he's not here to deal with it. No, I think his wife would get there sooner. Not, no. <laughs> I think she'd be fucking on it, and he'd be useless. <laughs> Who knows? But it's an interesting query. <laughs> to, it's, it must be weird <laughs> for people so. watching it, being like, hmm, "Would I survive? Would I murder my children? How would I do it?" Yeah, it is one of those, you know, those elements where you're watching a film and uh, it's one of those, it's like, oh, what would I do in this situation? <laughs> it's just like, it's, this is one of those films where it's like, I, I I, don't want to know the answer. Yeah, I just bolt my door and I'm fine. Where are you living? You have to move out of your gaff. Do you have living <laughs> grandparents? Uh, they, no. You can't even rely on them coming and saving you. <laughs> you're going to have to move out, mate. You have to go... Yeah. Live somewhere. Else. Like, like live... I said, I can. I think I can very fairly effectively run away from my parents. So, yeah, I guess that's where it's going to be. Come around, mine. It's fine. We'll have, we'll have you until the. <laughs> now, that's the other thing. We don't know the oh, time scale on this. How long are we going to have to? You know, all have really psychopathic parents and uh, traumatized children in the world. You know, we don't get answers. Ah, food for thought. Back to the film, though. Uh, we get a few fun bits, like the, the the teachers, as you say, the ones, I guess, who don't have their children at least immediately available or 
aren't affected because they've been in school or, you know, are fine because they don't have kids. I like, uh, we obviously have some knowledge that the police want us to stay in the school. Don't go home to your kids. And all the parents are like, ah, come to me, come to me, and reaching through the fence like zombies. And the one of the children makes a break for it and is like, I'm going to my mom. It's my mother. After all, you would, wouldn't you? It makes sense. Mm. And so he climbs over. And the parents are like, the teachers are wrestling the kid back and some of the other kids are like, the fuck? This is the most fucked up day of my life. And you're like, yeah, I guess it is. And then we get, the, it was a, I was a bit disappointed that we we don't see much, but they infer that as soon as the kid hops the fence, his mum keys the child to death with a car key. <laughs> <laughs> just puts yes. him, uh, him out of his misery, right? Mm-hmm. So that was fun. I think it's a little bit more than inferred. <laughs> Oh, well, we get blood, but I don't think we see too much, do we? No, we don't see too much, but we definitely see... Oh, it happens, yeah. yeah. It doesn't, like... It doesn't get into, like... It doesn't, like, scooping his eyeball out with a key. It's, like, you know... It's more inferred than that. Oh, we get a bit of running around the school. Like, everyone's like, shit, this is, this is crazy. And then the parents are, like, rugby tackling their children, and uh, it gets violent, right? Like, the, the sort of, where do we go? How do we run? Are we safe from other parents or not? The cops are there and are having to fight off people. It's like mayhem at the school. And our protagonists are sort of trying to find a route out so they can come to terms with it or figure out what's going on because they don't really understand. So, you know, there's some nice tension there, I suppose. Kind of, it kind of works. It's a bit like, what the fuck? Is it, at that stage, it is just like, Make or break time. Like you either are on board with this, or this is the most appalling thing you've ever seen. Please turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Like just, just no. You can't really watch this with your parents <laughs> for more than one reason, really. Um, I don't know. So does the baby thing has the baby thing happened at this stage in the hospital or not? No, that's that's a little later on after all this. Because the, they're all the... go on. They're all doing their separate things, like the daughter is off school and the mum has gone to yoga and she like having drinks with her friend and then she gets called to the hospital. Yeah. And then Nick Cage is just kind of in work getting angry. Yeah, the, the mum has a weird friend at the yoga. Like she's having like a, a drink somewhere and she's like talking about how she ain't got money and possibly her kids stole it and stuff. And they it's the 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 slightly shittier mum is uh just more insecure about her age and her looks and how much of a bitch her child is, because the the two the two mums have this their daughters are friends, yeah. And so it's sort of an insight into the mindset of these mothers before they turn crazy, and uh, you know it's it's there for some comedy and to give us some context. And what's the thing in the yoga class? Like, is the guy perving on everyone or something? And everyone's like fucking the yoga guy they put in that or something? Yeah, that's implied in their conversation later. But it's all just like you know, vacuous, uh, gossipy mum stuff, right? Yeah, it's just a bit about you know, people getting old and not liking your lot in life, being older, yeah, and having responsibilities beyond where to get laid next or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. So what uh, at the hospital they have that weird bit, don't they? Obviously, oh, a birth followed by a all attempted murder. And uh, like it is something fucked up about a, a woman in a who's just given birth having the energy to fight off hospital staff and try and snuff out her baby. Uh, but that you know, does it, is there a thing where they cut the umbilical cord? Is it like 
I'm only remembering more graphicness than there was. No, I feel that, like... that does that does happen because they don't do it at first, and they give the the child to the mother, but then she tries to like crush it, and then they cut it when they're trying to take it away from her. Hmm. That does happen. Oh, there is a bit like like at the beginning when she first comes into the hospital, like like in the background. There's obviously something going on because like the, the nurses and the doctors are running around. But she doesn't yeah. notice because she's there. Yeah, because her hospitals are busy sometimes anyway. Well, the eerie scene in the hospital is all the dads who are waiting yeah. uh, outside the room with all the babies in little um, <laughs> pods or whatever they call them, cribs or whatever. And it, But it's, if, if you have the instinct to, I have to kill my child, why are you waiting patiently at the glass? You fucking elbow your way past and get in there. Like, you know, get to strangling your child. <laughs> right, I say. Hold Maybe it's locked. Maybe they're just waiting for someone to open it. Yeah, there's somewhere's like uh, some variation on Nurse Ratchet with the keys or something. Yeah, no, it's just there to be like an ominous, just dark joke, I guess. Yes, it works, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> like, they, they really set, set your mind thinking about, yeah, just murdering babies. Oof. Yeah. So why's the little kid, the young boy, why is he at home? Uh He's dealing with the maybe he's made, uh, isn't he? Yeah, it doesn't really explain. Maybe he's too young for school at this point. No, we got like a, I think got like this on like a pack lunch or some shit. Maybe it's a later time. No, that can't be right. There must have been some reason he was still at the home or has gone home. Fuck, what was I it? don't remember if there is one. Oh. I just, I just assume he's too young for school yet. But they couldn't get an actor that young because they can't really do anything. No, but like he, he couldn't possibly. There was, there's, you know, there's something to like. If your parents are in work, it's not like the the housekeeper was babysit or whatever. They fucking, there's definitely. Oh, it don't matter. The point is, the kid's at home and he freaks. What, what freaks him out? Like he's hiding in the bed for a while when the the teenage girl comes back, right? Yeah. Well. Well, first of all, we get a weird flashback with him. Oh, yeah. Where he finds some sort of like animal being attacked by birds, yeah, and then he he like takes it and tries to feed it some Cheerios and stuff, and I keeps don't... it in the back of his dad's car. Yes, but you get in but trouble it... for that. Oh. Yeah, but then it suddenly cuts to like later on, and the thing's just dead in the back of the car. Oh, life and death. But does it? I don't think it needs that flashback, right? What's it saying with that? It was unsettling, like, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not quite sure what they were going for with that. Yeah, I mean, like, they do children... flashback later to um, Nicolas Cage giving him a talk. I think that's more acceptable because it it's getting on again with the theme of you. Well, a ch- well, parents and children are fighting. You should remind people that, like, th- we've not met these. That we've only seen these parents and children be kind of dickish to each other, normal. But they, we've not seen them be nice, so you need a little bit to go. Yeah, this is they. Ha- this isn't like a psychopath who always hated his kids being pushed over the edge. There was a tenderness that is inexplicable to these kids now that is absolutely missing. So I get that. I, I don't know, but I, like throwing in the kid and a dead animal is kind of like does the kid turn out to be a serial killer? I don't know. It's obviously <laughs> just death and life related. I don't know. It doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't feel necessary. But yeah, whilst he's home, um, his his the maid also has a child there, and, and she's she... finished off already, yeah. right? 
So that's obviously what scares him and she's, makes she's, him hide in the bed. She's she's casually mopping up the blood and acting normal, and the child has been disposed of outside and gets discovered by the teenager later or something, isn't it? Or clearly, <laughs> someone. No, it's by the it's by the mum. She like she smells something, looks in the bin, and goes, "Oh, oh, I see." <laughs> it makes sense given that every parent is trying to kill their children. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And the other thing, so at first the two teenage girls go to the, I guess, brattier one's house, right? They go, yes. they like watching the news and I think the, the bratty one's making like a fucking dirty margarita or something. I can't remember. She offers her like a drink or something. They're like up to, they're like, oh, we're off no, she has a, she has a joint and then notices that someone has made a, a margarita. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. That makes sense. And then we have like that moment of like, ooh, hand in a blender. Nah, no, that's not it. That's not the <laughs> yeah. bit that's getting you. But importantly, our kid, girl, I don't know what their names are. Do you know? Uh, I, I think it's Carly and Reggie. I remember Nicholas Cage shouting them out really weirdly at one <clears> point. Well, either way, she is watching the news. Josh, apparently. I don't know. Who fact checked us now? Let's have a look. I'm as well. It is Josh. Josh and Carly. Carly, right. Um, it's definitely Carly because there's a moment where he's like, he starts crying and says her name really weirdly, like, Carly. Yeah. <laughs> Just generic American names, isn't it? That sort of sound right. But she she's watching the news, getting the skinny on what's going on, uh, as inexplicable as it all is. And it's like, oh shit! You should be afraid of your mother. Is she here? And then she she is upstairs, right? The mum having come yes. home and been affected by the static. And um, yeah, our, our uh, Carly's friend walks in on the mum, and uh, that's it. Why does she like she strangle her with her own strangle? Yeah, I think so. Bit of fun, isn't it? Bit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then acts all normal about it. Because that, that's the vibe, isn't it? Like, kill your child and act like it's fine. That's the, oh, that's there's the also, joke. like, the the bit with the the guy. Her, her, her oh, boyfriend, her boyfriend. That's right. Go on. Who, um... Well, he's, like, doing a test at first, but that's not important. But then he, like, goes back to his dad. And... Yeah, he's got a single... His dad... and His mum and dad are split up, so it's just the dad in his life. He makes a good joke about it, about how... He doubled his chances of survival because his parents broke up. So, ha <laughs> right. <laughs> right, Yeah, on. so he goes home and, like, you, you've got this impression he's like a, a drunk, deadbeat dad who beats him and, like, he's cleaning up his mess and stuff. But then he actually does turn around and try to kill him with a broken bottle, which ends up being stabbed into his own neck. It's incredible when, when the. So, it's a nice idea to throw, throw in the idea that, yeah, sometimes people have got abusive parents who are violent and he does say like oh not again uh but then it seems more over the top once the bottle is broken and this like the dad's inner wife beater as if to emphasize the violence uh but yeah when the dad goes for him with a glass bottle and catches him and it's like oh shit and then he the, like the suddenness of him falling reaching to try and get his son and falling through a table and then accidentally stabbing himself in his own throat and then it's like, oh shit! That's like a night. It looks great, and it's also the the sudden change of the situation is is good because it it sets this kid into oh yeah, this is do or die territory 
and also that's my dad gone then shit <laughs> like bye so you know I like the suddenness and I liked how it looked right it looked brutal mm. the cranks crank uh, experience coming into play yeah I think that was the first instance of really brutal gruesomeness wasn't it I think it was effective in that in that one anyway like I Agreed. like that one and then so the boyfriend is, is kind of a free agent now of sorts. I mean, his mum could turn up at any time, I suppose. But um, he goes and he, you know, his concern is over his girlfriend, and you know, he, he. But I think they meet in, they meet each other, don't they? On and then they they decide to go. No, do they? Do they don't turn up at the house first, or does the boyfriend? Uh, no, they the boyfriend. Like... Her, yeah, they go at the same time because the the maid's like, we are not meant to be here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they they go there together to try to get her brother to get out before the parents come home. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where, uh, um, I guess the housekeeper is out of the situation then because she goes and is blase in a bit. Like you know, there's some stuff there, but we don't need to get into that. She's gone, and they find the little brother hiding. Uh, but it's all too late. We're gonna have the showdown in this house now, right? Like. The film is basically then a, a battle of more violent Home Alone between parents and children, without as much, well, not that much booby trapping, but like it is a, it's a house showdown from the latter half of the film, right? Yes. Who come? Who, like the dad, like Nick Cage just wakes up in work. I don't know what job he's doing, but it seems to be one where you could just sleep at the desk. <laughs> um, but he comes round and eventually comes back. But the mum is the mum first. No, it's uh, he's first. Oh, because he's giving a row to the uh, the boyfriend, isn't it? Yes, and, and he's the... he's put out of the situation, right? It comes. It's like it's really weird because when they get they get in a fight, and Nicholas Cage sort of looks up at his hand and sort of slaps his <laughs> slaps his hand down and knocks him out on the floor. I yeah. looked really hard. <laughs> do you remember that bit? I do. Yes. What proceeds it? Because he gets it, like they fight. He fights the boyfriend. It's almost like wrong because the boyfriend isn't someone he has to kill, but he's just like, you know, I guess it's a protective thing, right? What do you remember about it? Yes. Did it work for you? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, his head is getting slammed into something hard. Job done. Conveniently <laughs> knocked out because we wanted to make it. It's about... a movie. All you need to do is be hit on the head and you're out cold. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I thought it was just weird to like palm slap his head, like head into the ground. Mean, yeah. Well, there's a few like utensils used in the house from time to time. Is this one where Nicolas Cage is like eyeing up options for weapons already? I don't know. And there's definitely like a meat tenderizer utilized by the mum. Yeah, that comes a bit later. I think this is more of a chase, and then he trips on the earlier setup toy. Yeah, a bit, a bit a obvious. Truck, which he knocked himself out on. Yeah. Lol. Cartoons. And then they run into the basement. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the mum... When does she come home, then? Pretty much after that. Like, Nick Clage is beating at the basement. No, 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 he's still knocked out at that point. She comes home and wakes him up. And then they both round on them in the basement. Yeah, and oddly, like one of the things in the trailer that looked quite excited is Nick Cage going nuts with a sledgehammer, <laughs> and, and then I was a little disappointed when yeah. the, the explanation for this is a flashback where he's 
meticulous, needlessly and meticulously built a pool table from scratch. And they have like a montage of him building it and ple- listening to music and being pleased with himself. And then his wife comes down and goes, oh, is this the fucking man cave and rec room now? And, well, you know, you're wasting money on this shit. Like, she kind of, meh, 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 wife shit. And he's, like, pissed off about it. And they sort of have it have it out about how disappointed they are in their lives and getting middle-aged is lame and having to compromise and kids are a drain and yada, yada. And then the mum understands his perspective. and But it, like, ends up in just being having a big row about the pool table and he smashes it up. And like acts nuts, and you're like, ah, oh, this is the movie where parents are trying to kill kids, and we wasted the kill on a pool table for nothing. <laughs> like, just that was a yeah. trick for the trailer. So it was a waste. Yeah, especially as it, this scene again does the thing of, well, I should be liking the first half with Nicolas Cage going mental more, but I actually like the second half where they're actually talking and acting and. Yeah, sure. Satiation about you know how they're feeling old and how they how they used to be when they were younger and bonding over that again. Yeah, if anything, the film could have ended with the parents killing their children and being happier. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Kind of building up this notion that maybe this is a movie propaganda about not don't have children, don't ruin your lives. And then it should cut to like Nicholas Cage, you know, middle-aged Nicholas Cage and his wife, uh, like in a in the sports car doing donuts, topless, you know, having sex or something, you know, like mm. <laughs> you could be being slapped around by some titties if if you just murder your children and get over it. That's what maybe that's what I would have done with it. Dark, I mean, we've we've gone dark anyway. Like, do you know what I mean? No point holding off now at the end. Um. Yeah, we throw in this flashback uh, of the broken pool table. I guess that's in the basement where the kids are held up, uh, yeah. wondering what to do. The kid has uh, snaffled his backpack, which uh, was convenient for the plot, um, which has... Oh, we'll get to it. Um, but yeah, like, so there's the first proper confrontation between the two parents and the children is through the door, right? Because the kids are smart enough to lock the door. And the parents are, you know, wanting to kill them, but also they have, still have the card of, well, can we play it straight and just, you know, ra- reason with them to get them to open the door so we can kill them. <laughs> you know, there's an element of, can we trick you? But mostly it's obvious what's going down from this point on, isn't it? Yes. There's a lot of, uh, you know, the door plays in to a lot of it, isn't it? Because we got the, a lot of things happen. That are more slapstick violence than brutal violence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. At this point, yeah. I like I like the line about the saw that could cut anything. Like they're all the mum is on about. Oh, we'll we'll cut we'll cut the door down with the saw that can cut through anything. And Nick Cage is like, well, I don't know if that's the right thing to use. And it's like we could cut through anything, like doors, <laughs> children, all. whatever. Cuts all <laughs> the saw that cuts all. I like that, you know, they, they bring that up twice and uh, when Nicolas Cage is back on his feet, he's like, the saw the cuts, cuts all is what he tools himself up with later as well. But I like that it doesn't initially cut the door down very well, like it kind of scrapes at the door and it's like, yeah, of course, like, this isn't a carpenter at work, this is a frenzied idiot. Like, the mum just struggling to use it and then eventually does start to succeed, but um, 
Actually, can't remember what. Why does why does she not just easily cut the lock off the door and get in at that stage? Something goes. Oh, it breaks right in the something breaks off or something. It malfunctions. Does it? I'm not quite sure, but uh, like, I think they decide it's probably better to incapacitate the kids before they break in, rather than like do, duel them on the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some sort of like oh the the hazards of DIY issue with the saw anyway. Um, but yeah, so they it is, this the first thing they do is they realize the kids are trapped in there, and they they take a pipe from the gas and like they like a I don't know like a hose pipe or something. They they basically taper the make sure that the, the gas is t- uh, coming out and. From the kitchen and go into like the basement in through a vent or something or a window hmm. that they tape up and hope to gas the children to sleep so that they can get in with ease and just kind of slit their throats or whatever. And so it becomes like a sort of waiting game while these adults are trying to gas their own children. Uh, I feel like it's a dumb idea though because the gas could a escape endlessly from somewhere. Like you know, you can't get every gap, can you? Does this work? I mean, I I'm trying to think now. Would this be plausible enough to? They seal up I the holes it's... in the door, don't they? Oh yeah, no, I've I remembered think... why the the saw thing doesn't work anymore. It's because the kid has a gun in his backpack that the dad, yes, had been keeping, and then the kid we get a flashback to show the kid had used his own date of birth to figure out the code to the lockbox, and uh, kind of a lesson to all Americans about even in your own house, the gun you've bought to look out, you know, protect yourself may. End up hurting you in the long run. Nice bit, a bit of satire about gun control from the film, I think. Hmm. But yeah, the kid shoots his own mum when she's acting like uh, you know Jack Nicholson from The Shining. So that's why that stops. I think I'd remember that, but I didn't. <laughs> anyway, they gas the kids in the basement and have a casual chat about things and catch up. With where are we in? It's weird we're acting like psychopaths, but it seems fine. Um, but yeah, what, what's the what's the clever solution the kids find to the being gassed in their own basement problem? Oh, I mean, I'm not quite sure how they pull it off, but they like they go in the vents and somehow end up in the attic. They find which a, I'm not quite sure how that works. Yeah, they find a sort of cavity that they crawl through. Hmm. But they also have set up a book of matches right at the door. Oh yeah, yeah. So when that they open the door, it ignites the uh, the gas. Why it wouldn't ignite the gas in the, in in the ventilation? I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, um, I mean, it's also a room full of gas. Like I kind of need the MythBusters coming on this one. A hmm. would a book of matches uh, make a huge explosion that blows Nick Cage into the bathroom or whatever he he's thrown completely clear once it explodes and A, I mean would it just not just be like, it would explode or burn up in the air um, but also like I don't know, like taping it perfectly so the match does, go. I mean we're dealing with filmic cartoon Tom and Jerry logic really aren't we where mm. uh, you know Yosemite Sam having his moustache burned to a cinder and then getting up and being like damn that rabbit you know like it's dumb, and we're all we're already on board for this sort of nonsense. So I guess we should, you know, and it's fine because it accumulates in Nicolas Cage being thrown through a wall by a fireball. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's you got to suspend your disbelief because we're already in a world where static on the TV makes you want to kill your parent, uh, children. So I guess me being all like, this doesn't make sense, this basement explosion. But yeah, the cavity leading them out is dumb as well, I guess. It's 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 tenuous, but I don't know. They had to think of something. I mean, it, it's fine, but like, how did they get to the attic? <laughs> how did they drop down from the ceiling onto the second floor? Yeah, because it would have been like through the cavity out to the to the the first floor, like the garden or whatever, right? Hmm. Maybe we've forgotten it. <laughs> what maybe is explicable? Whatever. Maybe they climbed up at one point. I don't know. They fucking John McLean'd it somewhere and came out. <laughs> and yeah, so they got a gun. This is helpful. Fired a few shots off to wound the mum a bit. And Nicholas Cage is down and out for now. And does, is this the point where the boyfriend comes back to life uh, from being twatted on the floor? Yes. There's a bit where they're fighting the mum upstairs and she's about to kind of get her in the bedroom, but then the boyfriend turns up and they lock her in the closet. And have a, a little bit. Have a joke and a lol about how crazy <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's one of the weird moments is where at that point, like that's when they start having a little joke about... <laughs> Taking the situation lightly. This this is very light conversation for what's happening right now. Yeah, literally, we got like lights from the bedroom or something as well involved in tying up the door. Yeah, the mum, the mum, you know, breaks free from the the closet. Uh, It sort of reminded me, I guess, a little bit of uh, uh, Halloween because there's a like a bit of fighting through the closet from uh, Mike Myers and uh, Mm -hmm. and all that in, in that film. I guess it's obviously you know aware of slasher movie like tropes, so it's it makes yeah, sense. And it is reversed, which is nice. Something, yeah. I suppose. Aye, but they got the weird wire clothes hanger being used by the mum to sort of fish hook literally her way out of the closet, and she manages to uh, catch the boyfriend on the cheek, which is rather brutal, <laughs> and uh, break free from there. Their fiendishly young clutches, and then he ends up being like pushed over the banister. Brilliant! It looked and really should be dead at this point. Yeah, because I think she does. She she has the fucking meat tenderizer, but she clubs him sort of vaguely in the torso, and he bails over the balcony. What I liked about him falling off the balcony, I mean, there's some dynamic uh, camera work in this film throughout. Like it swooshes round uh, in even normal scenes around the house. It sort of swooshes and flows fairly nicely. Nothing too spectacular with the camera work, but just I appreciated the little bits um, of it. And but the the thing, the shot where the kid, the boyfriend, goes off the balcony, he falls and hits a chair, but the chair has a handbag on that he hits his head on, <laughs> and it just it feels like it, it, like oh that's brutal, but also kind of funny that he clocked a handbag on the way. There's something just like, slightly dopey about it. Maybe they want to show you that it's not that bad a fall. It's just, you know, again, he has to be knocked out for the conveniences of uh, it being parent v. children. Uh, is this is this shortly after this, they're like sort of in the living room. Like the kid, the, there's the sort of, we're right next to our mum and she's just hit the boyfriend. Let's run down the stairs nice and close by the mum. Nicholas mm-hmm. Cage is back up. He's, got, he's limping around with his uh, saw that can cut through anything. We've got them cornered in the kitchen. Yeah, and then they do 
sort of the last piece of decent satire and brutality where the doorbell rings. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I absolutely knew it was going to be the parents of them. Because I was thinking kind of all the time, well, it's all well and good, the parents being like, I'm going to kill my children, but there's a world of grandparents out there that are presumably affected in the same way. Did you well, I mean, it is guess? set up. They do mention it sometimes that the, the grandparents are coming over. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I guess it doesn't need to be a full-on surprise, but um, it was but kind it, of odd how they go, oh. It, it's nice how the, it, it's set up, but you don't think about it until it happens. It had been on my mind, but I, you know, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't fully know where the story was going when, you know, you don't know. You know, it's going to, you know, they're not going to kill the children straight away. It has to be a bit of a cat and mouse thing, but um, mm. yeah, it's a good pause and change of uh, dynamics where the the in-laws are coming around. There's a plan to come around. The so there's an hunters el- become the hunted. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. The hunters have complicated matters by also being hunted, but also still needing to hunt. Very, very like awkward combination of things. What's weird, right, is so it's it's Nicolas Cage's parents, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no real motivation for his mum to kill his wife because they're not affected. No, but but uh, she starts interfering. There isn't they they don't start trying to hurt her, but she tries stopping her his mum from doing anything. Yeah, so, so it's then like, she becomes I'm... an obstacle. Yeah, it's like a convenient. I'm going to help your father. That's where my toast is buttered. And there may be a sense of the mother-in-law, like, because what comes out is that she's never thought the woman was good enough for her son or something. Like, there's a bit of that, like, bitterness that mother-in-laws must have about, you know, who marries their kids or whatever. I can, I can understand that being a thing. But uh, they do have that. They The parents have called around, the grandparents have called around just when they were pl- expecting them for dinner as well. So there's a a slight element of the parents being like, oh, we should let them in, not realising that, oh, shit, if that is them, we should prepare ourselves? Because we've been trying to kill our kids. They should have put two and two together and not answered that door, at least. You know, I don't know. Maybe they need to find out it is the parents. And then, But uh, it's pretty quick before, uh, you know, what, you know, when, once Nick Cage is shanked a couple of times by his own oh, yeah. dad. <laughs> brutal, Jesus Christ. Like the the presumably the the grandparents have just gone. Oh, we need to go kill our kids. At least let's do my son first. Um, and it's like I'll just take a small knife. I was an army. I'm an army veteran. I'll be fine with just a small knife, right? I mean, <laughs> pretty much was. He really does it, man. If it had, you know. And then Nicholas Cage is complaining, and he's like. His dad's giving him like whinging that ah, it's just not even a gut shot. What are you talking like? What are you, like that won't kill you, you pussy. <laughs> well, I'll kill you now. <laughs> now I'll kill you though. <laughs> and uh, it's weird as well because during being stabbed, he also sees his own son or, or daughter again. It's like, oh yeah, I have to kill them. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's kind of you know whatever though. I mean nonsense, but makes sense. So. You know, the upshot here is we've got a uh, six-way fight with a potential uh, boyfriend in the mix. Uh, and so it's a bit of a kerfuffle in the house. Basically, the, the grandmother and daughter pair off and fight. 
Nicolas Cage deals with his dad, who's doing a very good do- job of shanking him into his own car and going crazy uh, in the garage. Um, what else happens in this scene to set up the uh, brutal climax? Pretty much just that, isn't it? The, the two pairs of parents are now fighting. What does the mum and mother-in-law do to each other? The mum, mother-in-law's bruised at some point. I don't quite remember what, what, who hit who with what and why. I don't quite remember, if I'm being honest. It wasn't as spectacular as the dad, because it's like Dick Cage yeah. and his father figure are having a sort of slang, slang uh, like, you know, they're, slang, they're slinging insults as well as uh, trying to fight off each other. And uh, in the meantime, the, the younger children have sort of escaped away enough from the clutches of uh, murder. So it's the second time I've tried clutches from the from the from the danger anyway. Yeah, so the yeah, the dads end up in in his car. Like he's been brutally stabbed loads of times. <laughs> but he manages to start his car and then the dad's like, out. This dad's climbing on the roof or something as well. Trying to get in through some other part. Yes. He's he's found his yeah, way on top of the car anyway. Yeah, it's well, is it's one of those leather uh, convertibles, is it? I don't know. Well, either way, he's on top of the car. Yeah, I think it's an. I don't think it is. The reverse out. The mums have to taken their fighting outside, and he reverses the car into his mum, and then they have that slow motion shot of him looking through the sky. Um, this, what's it called? The thing on the top of the car you look at? It's a sunroof. Sunroof. Yeah. She's like playing. What's the song that's playing? Ah, uh, mm. no, it must have been love. Ah, yes, nice. Uh, par- paradoxically, not paradoxic. Um, aptly. Over now. Yeah, tonally. And then, incorrect. yeah, so she's dead, and then his dad goes flying, and then he's dead. Yeah, he's pretty much smashed in or decapitated by the situation, and yeah, they're both then... uh, both the uh, grandparents are. Absolutely fucked. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's a good climax to the violence, I suppose. And then we're still game on because the you know Nick Cage is a bit like you know hurt I think in he's the out car. The count at this point. Yeah, and then the mum is still there. She kind of clocks eyes with her kids, uh, but luckily boyfriend's back for uh, a bit of revenge for the old fish hook and knock off of the balcony, and so he. Uh, spades are in the head. Uh, cut to them. Basically, the parents tied up in the basement, um, having you know been neutralised for now, but still showing signs of psych psychopathy. Um, there's an element of like, oh, it's okay, we know we love you. They, you know, they have the exchange of love and stuff, but there's also uh, no, there's still a problem. I, I don't know if it like I was kind of thinking, could this end like um, say Shaun of the Dead, where even though like one of the characters has turned into a zombie, he still lives with his friend and plays video games. Like, can we keep the parents? They want to kill us, but as long as they're handcuffed in the basement, they can live their lives. Yeah. Um, just you know, treat them like prisoners, <laughs> like feed them, but like you know, limited access to life because they're still psychotic. I don't know. What do you think? What could happen here if once you've got your parents tied up, but they still would kill you? Is it how does this play out if they stay that way? Like, I don't know, and I, I, I feel like the film also doesn't know. <laughs> See, that's that's the problem, isn't it? You like 
Egram all this way, I think they kind of, sh- I think they kind of pussied out of having a decent ending. They went, we can't think of a satisfying ending, so we'll do a little cutaway on a pun, essentially about, like you know, oh, I w- you know, I just sometimes I want to kill you. That idea of cutting that off and being like, ah, oh, it's all a metaphor for when we're angry with our children and we want to kill them. Maybe we even fantasize about smashing their head in, and it's like it's like a metaphor, and it's like well, it's not a metaphor. What happens to these people? <laughs> the world has gone crazy. There's God knows how. Like we've a large chunk of the population are murdered. Either parents have been killed, you know, because they're trying to kill their children, or loads of children have been killed. This is a psychological problem for nearly everyone on Earth that isn't affected by it. And there's plenty of smug people who have not got children or have been estranged from their parents for years or whatever, who are going to have to rebuild society. And our protagonists at least have their psychotic parents tied up in a basement. This isn't a solution. We've got at least another 20 minutes of something has to happen here to conclude things. Either we're putting these parents to death or they're getting free and killing their kids. Like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah, I get that feeling of an anticlimax. But then I guess if you know, if I was doing this, I, I also wouldn't really know where to go. And honestly, there's like the film is done, like it, it's already made its point, you know. And it's had the violent climax of the grandparents being milled, killed, you know. Mm. It, I, to me, the premise isn't enough to make a film out of. You can because it does enough with like t- building the tension to the horror and gore and violence. It can drag that out, and it can have the violence be fun and engaging. But then, still, that's like that's two acts of a whole thing, and this is a short movie. Like it's under ninety minutes. Hmm. I just feel like when you someone pitched the idea, it was like I can think of some blackly funny things to do with that, but the movie, you know, also gave us being up a pool table, stupid flashbacks. That we didn't need. Like, I feel like really this premise isn't enough to make a whole film, and they didn't. They just didn't get across the finish line. Like, this is okay and it's entertaining, but it doesn't say or do enough. And it, and if you know, you don't have to be deep, but I feel like if you're a satire, and obviously it's a satire, it's not like a this could happen one day. This is a metaphorical, silly, you know, action movie horror film so i feel like go go weirder with it and I mean, just do what i said i mean they can't do it now it's out there but like my suggestion would be the parents kill their kids they sit down in like like the blood covered couch and they go and then we cut to them living happily ever after <laughs> like a bunch of parents all just having a nice life because their children are dead and that, that that's sort of funny it's i do like, agree like i they, they've kind of like taken like a jigsaw piece from various jigsaw puzzles. Like they've taken like the the black comedy. They've got like the the gore. They've got the kind of like mysterious build up, the satire, and they've kind of put them together. And they, they they've made a picture, but the pieces don't quite fit together. Kind of thing. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite work. You haven't got enough edge pieces, or it's like you know the, the pieces have been forced together. I don't know. Like, but, man, like, but like, I can see, I can see that you've made a picture, yes, but it's not a jigsaw kind of thing. But no, you, like I, I do, you know, I, I like. There are certainly bits in in the film where it works, 
like they've taken like like the baby scene. It like it's they've they've got the the black comedy um, exploitation at, at, at its perfect in that scene kind of thing. Shock and entertainment, and uh, you know, working well. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said before, like my my favorite part is kind of like the, the the kind of build up that's happening in the background at the beginning, and stuff like that. And at, you know, at, at the end, they've got like the the comedy brutalness of trying to kill each other, yeah, down. But I don't think I don't think they all quite mesh together. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things Abby didn't like having given up on it was if you don't like the kids or the the parents that much who like you obviously you should root for the kids but like if you don't have a reason to care about these people you don't know these people we just see them be mundane and then they're trying to kill each other you know yeah, i don't know I, I feel like in a way as well let's follow the metaphor to its logical conclusion if we're saying oh it's metaphorical of the way that we want to kill our own kids sometimes or that the older generations are ruining the world and ruining the future for their children. And then they, in this mm. case, they're literally ending their futures by killing them. But like, so if say the parents did succeed in killing their kids, they might feel better and have the world to themselves and be content because the, the itch has gone away from the, the need to do it. And then they, they live in a, all of the adults are mostly living in a world where there's no children and the joy of life's gone. Like, is there anything we can extrapolate metaphorically from this film about an ending where, Okay, so if we use up all the world's resources and hoard money to the older generation, and then the younger ones will have no life, what will that mean for the future? It's like everyone will die. You can't have kids again because anyone who gives birth will want to kill their children. So it's essentially an apocalyptic ending. It, you could do something mm-hmm. with the the metaphor of if we don't make the world better for our children there will be no world. There can't be a future. So, like, that's maybe what I think it should have done is extrapolate that then in this comic, violent way. If they succeed in killing their children, it'll still suck, even though they'll be pleased. Because <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Like, none of the parents are like, oh, well, I miss my child. They're like, I'm fine now. They kind of become even blander and more normal, right? When you've killed your kid, you go back to tedious chores is what the film suggests, Right. Does that like you know? Does that is that metaphorically metaphorically relevant? The fact that you know it it doesn't even improve your life to murder your children. It just you know temporarily solves a problem. <laughs> you don't even get anything from it. It's they're just dead, and you feel fine now. I don't know. I don't know, Anthony. Like it had bits I liked, hmm. but it left me wanting more. And I, uh, I, I do think it is quite a hateful film. <laughs> I kind of do think <laughs> you have to have the right sense of humor to end. Like you, I mean, it is to me, it's funny, but it is also like it fucking is. hell, man. <laughs> like it's just, it is appalling as well. You know, I don't like. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I love Battle Royale, right? And that's just kids killing each other, and that's it's all funnier. But like, I don't know. Uh, there's definitely something funny about it. It just that's that's my my problem is I think there's a third act here somewhere, and they haven't had yeah, the, maybe. They haven't put the effort in. Yeah, I see what you mean. Maybe bring it to some kind of conclusion. Couldn't even finish a sentence. But, but again, it's like I, 
I don't know what the conclusion would be, so I can't really blame them for also not knowing what the conclusion would be. Yeah, so we would write yourself into a corner a little bit with it. I don't know, I, I've, I've, I think I've at least thought of things that would satisfy me. I don't know if that would appeal to other audience members or whatever, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe people can enjoy it for what it is, mm. or maybe can people be uh, underwhelmed with its shallow one message thing of show people killing each other. Oh, I think uh, acting wise, what can you say? People go crazy when they're acting crazy. <laughs> it's sort of entertaining when they're being normal. They're believable. There's no, no great uh, effort on anyone's. You know, no one has to go to a great deal of effort, but everyone's fine, I think. Maybe the youngest boys... There's a slight disappointment in... You've come for Nicolas Cage acting crazy, and, you know, it's there, but not much. He's acted crazier, thinking Vampire's Kiss. Even, like, is it fucking... What's the one where he goes, Hi, fucking, yeah! <laughs> He's been... <laughs> Nicholas Cage has been wackier than this. Like, th- this is his average sort of shouting and saying mad stuff. You know. I mean, there are moments, definitely. Like, he, he definitely uh, pronounces the word motherfucker in a really weird way in this. Yeah. Motherfucker? Yeah, there's definitely a few... Uh, there are moments, but, like, not enough. Although that does help... Uh, Selma Blair shine a bit because it gives her a she's bit more good. to do. I she think is she, good, yeah. She has an edge because she does, she captures that like older but still attractive mum type thing. And she she's the most brutal actually because Nicolas Cage is playing the slightly hapless father. The father's sort of less successful than the mum. And there's something really intimidating about, uh, is it Blair you said, isn't it? Not, yeah, Selma Blair. Not, I was going to say Blaine. But yeah, uh, but Blair really fucking. The look in her eye is really good. Like she's she's perfect <laughs> for this, and the flipping on a dime between being like, you know, I love you, and I, you know, I will destroy you. It's, <laughs> she's got she got that down, and has the right level of energy to the the mania, and like the the sensible one of the knuckleheads. Like you know, when she's like, she's like the, the of the parents. She's the one pulling the act together a bit more. I think she works really well. I think she's the best in this. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we don't get enough of anyone else. Like the bratty friend is all right, and I thought the teacher did a nice job of being, you know, uncomfortable and perfect for the sort of youngish teacher vibes. I don't know. There's nothing I else. Say, I will say the girl, uh, Anne Winters. She does. You are. You do have sympathy for her in the last act. Which is really hard to imagine because she is a, a real teenage bitch, <laughs> sort of, all the way through the first half. But you do, you know, you are on her side in the second half. I think what helps is when you had to mature really suddenly, you become sympathetic because you suddenly you're out of your depth and you're like pulling together and you've sort of become a mother figure in a way. I don't know to your own brother. Also, adopted people are fine in this, right? Be a really weird yes. way to. That's implied by uh, by the baby scene because the dad doesn't. Yeah. So it. maybe that weird. But uh, you you get home, you brought like you've armed up, ready to take on your parents because you know they're going crazy, and you get there and they're fine and a little bit concerned about you, and you're like, why aren't you going crazy? You've put on the TV, right? And they're like, yeah, we we heard about all this crazy stuff and the thing. 
Why aren't you going mad? Ah, well, <laughs> you're adopted. <laughs> Somewhere, you're, and then through smash through the window, like the father of the, of the birth father of the child comes and is like, ah, I found out where you live. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the, the thing with the mom and dad, the sequels, you can just do other parents in other scenarios. Like old people in nursing homes trying to crawl and murder their quite old children, or I don't know. There's all kinds of other parent combina combinations. Anyone with like gay parents, or potentially only one birth parent there, it's a different dynamic, isn't it? There's all sorts of weird family dynamics that. Uh, get complicated once everyone's turned on a dime to murder, you know? Hmm. What would you do, Mom and Pop 2? Uh, I don't know. I think you're right. I think we just need more diversity in in the awkward couplings that could happen. Yeah, maybe... I like... Like, like those questions answered. What happens if it is one adopted parent kind of thing? Yeah, maybe you set it in like a parent child like counselling camp or something and then you have a, a large group of parents all going nuts and they can team up together where like you know alliances can be formed from those who are not related that's the the real interesting thing here is we're all like the world is psychotic but very specifically for very specific people and then everyone else is like fuck this is messed up we should do something about it but then it seems like husbands and wives and friends are like, well, we're the adults. We we'll join in with our age group. We don't. We don't. You know, really, there should be loads of adults. But then every adult that isn't a parent has to like try and intervene or something. I don't know. We're thinking about this too much now. <laughs> anyway, let's put the mom and dad sequel on the back burner of our minds. Maybe we'll come up with a, a pitch for the creator of this uh, in the meantime. But anyway, um, I'm gonna go and. Make a nice phone call to my mum and say, "Yeah, were you were you right, love? You don't Aww. feel psychotic like killing me. Good. Then he sat static on the TV. I need to worry about. No, no, fine, good. But you aren't you gonna make a gonna make a nice cup of tea for your mum in case she ever turns mad or more <laughs> mad than usual? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Yeah. Okay. Either way, that's the end of the podcast. We didn't need those suckers anyway, did we? We did just fine. Why did we even bring them on in the first place? I know, Andy. Basically, Jamie comes on. He drowns <laughs> you right out anyway. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you <laughs> to talk to for a change. God, we're awful. We're just selfish people. I'm sorry, Andy. You should get more. You should be saying this much in every podcast. But back to normal next week. Occasionally <laughs> chipping in when there's a gap to breathe. <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye. -bye. Bye -bye.